0: Now, listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor, please join the service in progress.
1: Something happens, doesn't it? Something supernatural happens. May not change anything externally, but something happens in here. Changes how I feel about it. Changes what my concerns are. What might have once been bothering me just disappears in thin air when I call his name. Sometimes when I'm having old crazy dreams. Anybody ever had crazy dreams? wake you up in the middle of the night and you learn how to pray you talk to God about those things and something supernatural happens able to go back to sleep and be alright that's what happens when you call his name times of emergency times of challenge, times of trouble call on him something supernatural will happen so we're going to call on his name right now and then we're going to speak on his behalf father we thank you today for blessing us again thank you for this awesome season thank you for this time fellowship thank you for the goodwill toward all men that seem to be circulating but we know that even while we have goodwill in our hearts the demons of darkness continue to lurk in hiding places And we pray for mercy, we pray for protection upon our lives and upon the lives of our family members and friends as they come in and as they go out. Watch over us and stand by us, stand with us. Comfort the hearts of the broken. Bless those, Lord, who are lonely at this season. So many people have so many challenges, God, but we know that you are able to deal with every circumstance we bless you today. We honor you. Pray now as we come to this word that you would lift again your human out of self. That you will fill us with the Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Speak through us in this moment and bless now the words that are in our mouth and the meditations that are on our heart that it may be acceptable in our, thy sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, speak now. Your servants are listening change us, develop us, move, Lord. Let none of us escape. We ask it now in the name of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We continue this morning with this series on doing life together. We've been talking about purposes, finding your purpose. We've iterated and I hope and I love the groups that have been working And uh, people have been having an opportunity to to engage in discussion concerning these purposes. I want to say it one more time. That when you don't know your purpose, you don't know why God has put you on the earth. You wander around lost in life. You waste a lot of time. You waste valuable years and things like that. Doing a lot of things that may be fun. But it may not be what God has designed. So when you are you, when you're the best you that you can be, living out the life that God has given to you with the power and presence of his spirit in you, you will fulfill those purposes that God intends. Now we have also discussed some of those particular purposes. We said the first that you were made to be the recipients of God's love, and that manifested through the fact that God has formed us to be His family. God has made us to be a part of His church family. I thank God for a church family. I was born in a human family, but in a human family, eventually, I had to give up a mother, I had to give up a father, I had to give up a brother. But through the physical, the spiritual family, I have other mothers and I have other fathers. I have other brothers and I have other sisters as a result of being included in the family of God. Also, we were formed to be like Christ. We were formed, made to be like Christ. God wants you to be like him. He wants us to conform to the image of his son. But you have to know who that son is. And you have to know what that son's message is all about. And gradually, eventually, you'll move into some of the ways and likenesses of Jesus. It's a lifetime work. It's not going to happen overnight. And you might not ever get all the way there. But you can move in a different direction than you're in now. we were also made to serve. We were made to serve. And we think that being, we will shape the service, what I really want you to know, but God has to be the shaper. He has to shape that mind. He has to shape that heart so that you can love God. And when you learn to love God, then you can love other people. But if you don't love God, guess what? Nobody got a chance. And so we have to learn to be shaped, allow God to mash us and mold us and shape us. And so today I want to give you one more of these uh, essence of what God wants to do. Look with me again in Luke's Gospel, this time chapter 5. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. I'm going to pick up just a portion of the story, verses 17 through 20. It'll be uh, as much as we probably will get a chance to look at for the morning. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which would come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he, meaning Jesus, saw their faith, he said unto them, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to preach this morning that you were were made for mission. You were made for mission. Another one of the great purposes that God has made you to live on the earth is for you to be on mission. Now, there are a lot of people that got missions, but they ain't godly missions. There are a lot of people who are going around and they're doing a lot of things, but it may not necessarily be what God wants. Here in this text this morning, Jesus makes a profound statement that I think sheds the light on what and why we were made for mission. You know the context of the story. Here's a man, Jesus is in the house, he's teaching, and he's been teaching, and of course there's a group of people there, and we'll talk about them in just a moment. But the big crowd... Nice house, crowd blocking people. Nobody else could get in. But there were four friends that had a friend that needed some help. And they recognized that it was their mission to get their friend to Jesus. Just want to ask you, have you ever thought about God wants you to bring somebody else to him? Have you have, have ever dawned on you that, that coming to the Lord is not just for you only? And when you find the benefit of being in his presence, it, you need to know that somebody else could also benefit. These men came bringing their friend. And, and, and you would have thought that when they got to the door, somebody on a stretcher, people would move back and let them in. They didn't and because these men couldn't quickly, readily gain access, the desperation and the determination for their mission to be accomplished was not going to be deterred. So they go up on the roof and they tear up somebody else's house and they drop the man down in the presence of Jesus. But listen, what I want you to see is not all of the other stuff we're going to get there. But what I want you to see is what Jesus sees as mission. When the man is lowered down in the presence of Jesus, Jesus sees their faith. He sees the faith of the man. He sees the faith of his friends. And and, and he makes this declaration. He said, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, man, Jesus was the greatest preacher ever. Anybody know that? Last week, we talked about a story how he could just pop them. He could just spin them. He could just make them up to illustrate and to penetrate human hearts and bring men to a place of repentance and understanding their great need for him. He was that kind of preacher, but, but not with, only was he a great preacher, but it was the message that he preached. And listen at the message that he preached. Your sins are forgiven you. May, may I tell you, the greatest need that exists in this world, the greatest need that you and I have is to be forgiven of our sins. That is at the bottom of why there are so many problems. That's one of the reasons why so many people are going to the extreme of even ending their own life. Is because they feel no sense of relief because when the weight of guilt is on you, there is no relief outside of the forgiveness of god and you can take medicine you can drink you can take drugs you can do anything you want but well, when you come down from it problem still going to be right there how many know how many ever prayed anybody here ever prayed and ask God for mercy. And the Lord has had mercy on you. And you know how it lifted you. I mean, I don't have to ask you, have you ever did anything wrong? That's not the question because I already know the answer there. But I'm talking about feeling the relief. And the release from God. When you have been under the weight and guilt of some transgression or some wrong that you have done. And what I'm saying is that's what sets up the mission. I mean, this was Jesus' message. This is early in the ministry of the Christ. Very early in the ministry. This same passage, this same account is told by Matthew in Matthew chapter 9 at the beginning of That chapter is also told by Luke. I mean, here in Luke chapter 5, it's told by Mark in Mark chapter 2. So, it it was an important time in the life of the Christ. And, And I need you to understand, the greatest message ever is the message of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the door for every other blessing. Forgiveness is the door to the blessing in this life and forgiveness is the blessing that you need for eternal life. You you, you can't go to heaven unless you've been forgiven. And and you can't live meaningfully and effectively on earth unless you've been forgiven. And and what I want you to understand further is that, that, that you can't, Forgive yourself and you can't forgive nobody else. You can forgive somebody else of a transgression that they may have committed against you, but you can't forgive nobody else of their sins and can't nobody else forgive you of their sins. Only God can forgive you of your sins. And this was Jesus' message. Listen, listen, this was what he preached. He went from town to town. And the only way you can really fully gravitate to what I'm talking about this morning and really have a feel about why this is the message that we must have as we go on mission in the world is to understand the consequences of not being forgiven. When a person has not been forgiven of their sins, they're going to die and they're going to go to hell. They're going to spend a timeless eternity separated from God in the throes of hell. And so everyone needs to be forgiven. Are you understanding that? We are all alienated from God. We're all separated from God. But God has devised a way by which. We can be brought into a relationship with him and have a right standing with him that's void of guilt, that's void of the punishment and all of the things like that. And that is by bringing his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world, enclosing him in a human body, letting him live a natural life, and then going to the cross and paying for our sins with his life on the cross. And being raised the third day by the power of God. God then put on Jesus the punishment of every one of us so that you and I could go free. And that is a tremendous message. And that's the message that we're no longer telling people. We're no longer telling people that you can be forgiven of your sins. We tell people other things and we try to give them ways out other than coming to God and asking God for mercy or bringing people to God and helping them to find the relief. See, it's by grace that you are saved through faith. And that, not of yourself, is the gift of God amen what what a need we have and listen I, I don't care where, where you look I don't care where you look you can look in the highest places in the land and you can see people who are guilty because and, and they can't get relief uh, I don't want to talk about 45 today but you can't get relief you can't hide Mr. Trump you can't hide Members of Congress. You can't hide even if you're sitting on the Supreme Court. You, can, you can't hide in the state house. You can't hide in your house. You can't hide nowhere. You can run, but you can't hide. Somebody, somebody, somebody said it was one of the worst verses in the Bible, but it's one of the most damning verses in the Bible. It says, whatsoever a man soul. That shall he also reap. Now people, people people, don't want to hear this kind of stuff in church no more. But this is why churches have become anemic and weak. Because we stop telling the truth. Yeah, right. The wages of sin is still death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is something everybody needs. I'll put it another way, my grandchildren say, everybody need that. Everybody need forgiveness. Everybody need that. You need it. I know, I know you got on suits and ties. I know you got on red. I know you got on white. I know you got everything, else, but you still need forgiveness. And that's what Jesus preached. And if Jesus preached that, what you think I ought to be preaching no, y'all want me to say, bells will be ringing. <laughs> the sad, sad news, oh, what a Christmas to have the blue. You want to talk about babies, go. <laughs> I have no friends to wish me greeted. Ooh, <laughs> once again, choir will be singing Silent Night Christmas Carols. I can't, please. <laughs> Come on for Christmas. If not for Christmas, and that's still not gonna change the heart. Are you hearing me? And so, we need to understand why 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 did Jesus preach forgiveness because he knew that's what man need is i 'm coming to the text don't worry let's look at some examples of other New Testament passages where forgiveness was preached. Paul preached forgiveness. Uh, all the boys preached forgiveness, Acts chapter thirteen verse thirty eight Paul said, "Therefore, let it be known unto you, brethren, that through him that is through Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you." That's what the New Testament guys preached. Forgiveness. Acts chapter 10, when he was in Cornelius' house, he said, we preach the forgiveness of sin. Peter preached that to to Cornelius and his family. Again, in Ephesians, Paul said, in him, that is in Christ, the beloved one, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace. But it wasn't only the message in the New Testament. That was the message in the Old Testament. Forgiveness. Look, look at what God did. Adam and Eve, they were the first people that God made. And as soon as they messed up, you know, Adam grabs a fig leaf. Because he was feeling guilt. See, they were naked all along. When God brought them out of the soil, he didn't take them to Walmart. They're already naked. But that was, that was because they were in innocence and there was no feeling there. But when they disobeyed God, then they knew that they were naked. So he grabbed a fig leaf, but God knew that that wasn't going to cover anything. So God, look at this, killed an animal and made for them skins to cover their nakedness because God was putting in man's mind from the beginning that he needed a sacrifice. He needed a substitute, someone to die for him. And in the fullness of time, Jesus was that substitute. And so he preached that he preached that forgiveness is what we need. And so I want I want you to understand that this day when Jesus is in the house and he's in the house according to Matthew's gospel chapter 9 in Capernaum, his adopted hometown. He had been on the other side. He had dealt with the demoniac over in, in, in Gadara and he has now come on the northern tip of the sea of Galilee into the hometown that he has adopted he couldn't live in Nazareth no more you remember when he started preaching he went in his hometown of Nazareth and he opened the book and he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the broken heart to set at liberty them that are bruised but they Pick up rocks and they were gonna to try to kill him. So he left Nazareth and he went to Capernaum. And they believed that he lived with Peter, Simon Peter. And so wherever it is, he's just come back off of the boat, landed in Capernaum, and he goes into the house. It has to obviously be a large house. Large ranch style house. Those long block houses. And perhaps the person who owned the house was perhaps somewhat of wealthy and had a little something because the house had tile roofs. And most of the houses in that day, the roof was made of grass and, and, and thatch and mud. They they would would put the cross beams this way and that way, and they would fill in the cross spaces with mud and sticks and straw and all that. And if you had a little something, you might add tile, and and, and people would sometimes go up on the roof and they would have an afternoon nap or even sometimes have their meals up on the roof. And usually there was a stairwell that led up to the roof. And and so here Jesus was in the house. And whenever Jesus is in the house, there's going to be power flowing. Whenever Jesus is in the house, there's going to be healing. Whenever Jesus is in the house, lives are going to change. Whenever Jesus is in the house, something good is going to happen. I used to like to hear old Robert saying, something good is going to happen to you today. Jesus of Nazareth is passing this way. I used to love that when I was a little boy, and sometimes I feel that way now. Something good is going to happen to you today because Jesus of Nazareth is passing this way. Anybody want to feel his presence? Anybody want to feel his power? Because when Jesus is in the house, somebody is going to heal. When Jesus is in the house, somebody's going to get their hearts lifted. When Jesus is in the house, somebody's tears are going to be dried. When Jesus is in the house, somebody is going to get new direction. When Jesus is in the house, somebody is going to have a Merry Christmas. When Jesus is in the house so he was in the house in Capernaum but the house wasn't filled necessarily with people who really wanted to hear Jesus the text says that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law there and they had come from all of the towns in Judea and from Jerusalem now, it was impossible perhaps for them to come from every town because there were thousands of little towns. But the point here is there was a coordinated effort to bring the haters to the house. Now, by this time, Jesus had haters. At 30 years old. This is early in his ministry it's very clear because you do know what happened when he started preaching when he started preaching he went down to Jerusalem and he took a whip and he began to overturn the money changers tables and and taking that whip he drove them out of the temple and the Sadducees were there and they wanted to know by what authority you do these things and so they were already hot on his trail and here were the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Somebody said, who are the Pharisees? Pharisees were a group of men. They were pretty good guys on the surface. They were people who had committed themselves to keeping the traditions of the elders and the Jewish law. Pharisees sprung up during the intertestament period, where really right after they came back from Babylon, when the Jews were carried captive into Babylon. They came back into the land. Pharisees became a fraternity that was designed to keep the people from violating the law. That's what messed them up. That's what got them put in captivity because they violated God's law. They disobeyed God's law. So Pharisees were going to be guardians. But what they called themselves doing was making the law a series of rules and regulations. And they came up with over 600 and some different rules and regulations that people had to keep. And it made it impossible and it made it very confusing to be able to follow what the law said. And they themselves were the teachers of the law to the people. And here was Jesus coming along. Pharisees were one of four groups that had come. That was the Pharisees who were more liberal-minded. They believed in things like angels and resurrections and life after death and all. But you had another group called Sadducees. And Sadducees were more conservative. They were concerned with the money. And they ran the temple operation and they did things like that. But they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in resurrections. They didn't believe in life after death. Then you had another religious group that was called the Essenes. And the Essenes were more of the monastic group. They were the monks. They, lived, they didn't want to be bothered with the establishment of people so they lived out in the desert. These are the people who wrote and found the Dead Sea Scrolls. These were people who didn't want to be bothered socially with everybody else, so they ran out to the deserts and lived in caves and mountains. And then you had the zealots. The zealots were people like Judas Iscariot. They, they, they want nothing better but to run up on a Roman soldier and kill him. And, and, and so you had these four different religious groups and so the Pharisees now they already married with Jesus because he didn't, he didn't upset the Sadducees in the temple by overturning the tables and, and he got out of Jerusalem because he didn't want to die before his time so he goes to the northern part of Galilee in the city of Capernaum, and that's his adopted hometown and he's in the house teaching and they're already dogging his footsteps so the haters are there they were packed in there Oh, you would know them if they walked in here. You would know them because they would all be... If you looked at Orthodox Jews, you would know they were Orthodox Jews. They would have their yarmulkes on. They would would have their robes, their beards. Some of them would be twisted and some of them would be just hanging down or whatever. You would recognize these were Orthodox religious leaders. And you know they wanted the front seats. So they packed out the house. And, And so no wonder when this man... And his friends came to the door. They wouldn't let him in. Because, see, they would have been looking down on people like that. They were looking down on people as as if they were outcasts and they didn't belong. They they didn't have the same social status that they did. So while they were religious on the one hand, they were hellish on the other hand. While they they were nice on the other one hand, they were nasty on the other hand. You do know folk like that who are nice, nasty. They got the front that they're religious. They got all of the look. They got all of the talk. But their lifestyle show you something different. And so the, the haters were there. And they, they, they waiting on Jesus. They, they waiting on him to say something wrong. They waiting on him to do something wrong. And all of a sudden these four boys, they were on mission, see. They were bringing their brother to Jesus, which means that the man himself must have wanted to be with Jesus. Now, the scriptures say that the man had the palsy. Well, they talked like that in those days. They they, 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 they talked symptomatic. See, they didn't do the pathology uh, kind of report that we do today. See, today, if somebody was was messed up, we would say they had polio. Or we would say they was a quadriplegic. Or we would describe their medical condition in terms of what is appropriate for the medical community. But in those days, they would just say he's handicapped or he has the pause, He has a paralysis. And perhaps theologians have argued about the nature of his paralysis. Some even say that his paralysis was caused by syphilis. Syphilis is a venereal disease. That perhaps had caused this man to have his lower extremities paralyzed. So he couldn't move. So you know he wanted to get to Jesus. He wanted to get to Jesus not only because he needed some relief for his paralysis. But he was also carrying a weight of guilt in his heart. And nobody else could do the good that he needed but the Lord himself. So he's telling his friend get me to Jesus. Oh, man, I wish I had friends like that. That in those days and times when I can't help myself, that they will help me get to Jesus. Sometime when I can't pray for myself, they'll pray me into Jesus presence. Anybody ever had a friend like that? You need somebody in your camp who will get you to Jesus, even when you can't go. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when you don't know what to say, somebody else will pray. Pray so hard that the scales will fall off your eyes. Get me to Jesus. And and so they came to the door. And I'm sure they knocked on the door, but somebody, probably one of those haters, said, it's already packed in here. You go away. You little old life. You nobodies. Get on out of here. Nobody want to see you. Nobody want to be bothered with you. Now, I, I, I just can't believe, man, folk act like that, but I know they do. And so these boys were determined because they wanted to get their friend to Jesus. And they wanted to get his friend, their friend, right in front of Jesus. He couldn't get in through the door, windows were not available. So they went up on the roof. And they found, they calculated, you know they had to be smart, they calculated about where Jesus would have been standing. And they figured, okay, he about right there, so this is where we're going to work. And they began to tear up the roof. I, I, I bet everybody in there was kind of looking up. Oh, let me Can I tell you something? I remember a couple of New Year's Eve's ago. We were here in service. And gunshot was going on outside. But all of a sudden, I saw a little something come down from the roof. I saw some of the ceiling tile come down. I looked up. And I looked down. I didn't want to scare nobody, so I ain't said nothing. But I waited. As soon as the church service was over, I went over there and I found ceiling tower. And I sent one of the guys up on the roof and they found the bullet. Hey, man, when the roof started messing up, everybody would look up. And you can imagine all of the people wondering, what's going on in here? As they see mud flying and straw flying and tower coming down, then all of a sudden here come the drummer, a man being let down on a stretcher, and he's coming down slowly right in front of Jesus, and the Bible said, and Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith did he see? He saw everybody's faith, and it was refreshing to him. He saw the faith of the four men that carried this man, and he saw the faith of the man on the pallet. And he looked at the man and he does a phenomenal thing. He says to him, your sins are forgiven. Jesus read him. Yeah, I, I, know, I know you got problems with your legs, but that's not your real problem. You, you, you got a heart problem. You got a guilt problem. You got got something else that's going on in your life that you might not want your buddies to know, but I know. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me this morning. Somebody came in here this morning. Yeah, you look upright, you look fine and dandy, but you got a guilt problem. Legs may be healthy, hands may be healthy, but your heart is heavy, but you came to the right place. Because this is the place where we're going to tell you about somebody who can save anybody. See, it's not me. I'm just a nobody. Just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. I'm just a pointer. All I'm doing is just pointing you out. Point you to who that can do you good. Jesus looked at the man. I thank God for that look. It's a penetrating look. Anybody know about a look like that? I think my mama had a look like that once upon a time. I remember one year I went to see her when she was still living on the earth. And I was sitting on the front porch. And she came out and she looked at me with that look. And she said, boy, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing. And she said, listen, I had you. You didn't have me. And and she looked at me again and the look just penetrated me. Anybody ever had something like that happen? man and before I know it man she just unpeeled that onion she took off the first layer and before I knew it I was telling everything in my heart (laughs) (laughs) but that's what Jesus does he looks at you and when he looks at you he unpeels the first layer and before you know it you're telling him all about it that's why we sang that song just a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right Look, talk with him. We'll uncover the heart. This boy looked at the Pharisees sitting in there. The haters sitting in there. And they, they got good theology now. And they said, who, who can forgive sins but God? Either this man is God or he is a blasphemer. And that's what I want to help you understand. Either Jesus is who he say he is or he's a big liar. What you think? I know he's who he say he is. How do we know? Reading Luke's gospel tells me because Luke has already by this time in chapter five given us the testimony. He's given us the testimony of the angel who was dispatched down to see a young Jewish virgin to let her know she was going to be pregnant And the child that she was bearing was going to be a holy child. And his name was going to be Jesus. Luke gives us the testimony of Mary and Joseph. He gives us the testimony of Anna and Simon. Simon, He gives us the testimony of angels who said to the shepherd boys, "Under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. We have the testimony of angels that, that say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men. Luke has given us the testimony when Jesus was baptized of the father opening heaven and said my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Luke gives us the testimony of the devil himself saying if you be the son of God turn these stones into bread he gives us the testimony so I know who he is this is none other than Jesus the Christ the son of the living God very God of very God showed up in human flesh and now he's demonstrating something else you have the power to forgive sins and he looks at the man Pharisees talking, what's wrong with him? Who can forgive sins but God? They had it right because he was God. They had it wrong by calling him a blasphemer because they didn't know who he was. And I want to talk more about what he had to say, but I'm going to say that for another day. But what I want to do is help you see here The mission. Was the mission successful or not? Because Jesus looked at the man and he says, what's easier for me to say? Take up your bed and walk or your sins are forgiven you. He said, I know what your real problem is. I know your real problem is the guilt that you're carrying. And that's what you need. But just in case somebody else thinks that I don't have the power I'm going to say to you, get up from there and take that bed with you. (laughs) Anybody ever ever thought about why he said take that bed with you? Because he knows if the man don't take the bed with him, he's subject to going right back. Where did you leave your bed this morning? Somebody can't wait to get back home. Because as soon as you get back home, you're headed right back to that same place where you were. But Jesus told that man, get up from there. And, and, and take that bed with you. But I said it. What I said. Because I want the world to know. The value of the mission. And the mission. That's so important. That everybody needs to be a part of it. You need to be bringing people. You got friends. You got family members. Who've been depressed for years. You got cousins. And brothers and sisters. And aunts and uncles. And uncles who are going through challenges and tribulations and it just may be that at the crux of the problem is holding on to some unforgiveness still holding on to some hellish hatefulness for something somebody did 40, 50 years ago that I just never turned loose because you know how people are well see Lord you don't know what they did to me you don't know what they said to me. Yeah, you know what we say. I'll forgive, but I won't forget. And if we won't forget, we really won't forgive. How many know that you had a hard time forgiving some fault? You have had a hard time forgiving some things. But God has no problem. Look at it. He doesn't even ask the man about where you've been. He doesn't ask the man how long this has been going on. He doesn't ask the man any of the personal things because he knows everything. And may I tell you, he knows everything about you too. He knows your uprising. He knows your down sitting. He knows your thoughts are far off. He knows where you're being. He knows where you're going. And he wants you to be free. Man, what a Christmas this would be if people could be free. What a what a Christmas this would be if people could walk around renewed on the inside. Weights gone. Hell gone. Trouble gone. Heart mind free. You could then love. You could say Merry Christmas. You could say Happy New Year. You could say it with a smile and mean it. You can say good morning and mean it man spoke to a woman one morning. He said, good morning. And she put her hand on her hip and said, what's good about it? You know, there are a lot of folk that's still in the world like that. And it's because they don't have the freedom in their hearts to be able to do what they need to do. I'm going to give it to you in a couple of practical sentences. And I'm going to let you out for the morning. Next message will have a little different twist to it. But I want to just give this to you right here. Put these down for me for you, especially for those of you who are in the groups. So I want to tell you four keys for fulfilling God's mission in the world. First thing is you got to become concerned about people. You got to become concerned for your friends. You got to become concerned for your family. You know, we, 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 let's not be like the people last week. Let's not be like the priest. Let's not be like the Levi who come and say, ooh, she so old bad, so sad but then go in the opposite direction. Let's be concerned for real about your family. Be concerned for real about people who are hurting. They were concerned. These four friends were concerned about their hurting friend. Second thing I want you to understand is they believed. Touch somebody and say believe. That Jesus could heal their friend. And so consequently, they were not going to let anything stop them. From getting that boy to Jesus. So you got to be that determined. You got to be concerned. You got to know. That when you get your family member. When you get your friend. When you get your person. Into the presence of Jesus. Something is going to happen. And you just hear that boy say. Something supernatural happened. When you call on that name. The third thing. They didn't just pray for their friend. You know that's what people say. Oh baby I'll pray for you. No, they didn't just pray for him. They picked him up and they physically transported him to the presence of Jesus. So sometimes it costs you a little something. Sometimes it costs a little bit more of an effort to get somebody to where Jesus is. But they brought him to Jesus. Can I talk to the parents just one moment? You can't just send them sometimes. Sometimes you got to take them. Mama used to take us to church. You know, when I was a boy, I was drugged to church. Yes, ma'am, I was on drugs a long time ago. Drugged to church. (laughs) Drugged to the choir stand. I couldn't say I didn't want to sing. I couldn't say I didn't want to be there. I couldn't tell her I wasn't going to participate. She made me come. But I thank you today in heaven, lady, for doing what you did because you were concerned about your boy. And number four, they didn't let difficulties discourage them. You can't let first little thing stop you from doing what you know you need to do. You can't let other people's attitudes stop you. I mean, man, we sometimes have good people on the door. Sometimes we have good people in the parking lot. We used to have bad people on the door. But don't let that stop you from coming in. Don't let nothing or nobody stop you from getting into Jesus' presence. What? A little crowd? No, that didn't stop them. They went up on top of the roof. Can you imagine when all of the people started looking up? They tearing up the roof. Can you imagine the man whose house it was? They tearing up my roof. But that didn't stop them. They kept digging. They kept working because they knew that it was there mission to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. What's your mission today? What God, what assignment has God given you? Whose heart are you responsible for? Whose life are you trying to make a difference in? What person are you trying to make sure that Jesus touches and that Jesus speaks to? Everybody ought to have at least somebody that you ought to be concerned about. And let me give you a homework assignment in case you don't have somebody that you can consciously think of. During the course of this week, I want you to think of one at least, probably one, three, two, three, four, five people that you need next week to invite to be with you. Come sit with me. Come join me. Just hear the word. Don't worry about it. Just let me pray with you, let me pray for you but that's not enough, I need you to come go with me and show the demonstration that you are on mission for Christ in the world, listen wherever you are today, whoever you are you know that once you get in Jesus' presence life is going to change you got to be able to say, Lord I'm available to you, you got to be able to say that, anybody available to God, you got to be able to say you gave me my hands You gave me my voice. You gave me my legs. You gave me all of this equipment to use for you. And now I'm giving it back to you because I'm available to you. Anybody want to be available to God? Anybody want to be on mission for God? Anybody want to help him do his work? He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly but you got to be available. Right where you sit, if you've never made your life available to Jesus, You can become available right here. Pray. Pray right where you sit. Nobody have to hear it. It's you and God. You say, God forgive me of my sin. And you can tell him what it is. He already knows. But you can say, I believe that you are the Christ. You can say, I believe that you came into this earth to die on the cross to pay for my sin. And now I want you to live in my life Lord I'm available to you take me, use me whatever you want to do with whatever time I have left the days, the weeks, the months, the years I make myself available to you whatever you talk to God about your life changed in here today we're going to give you this opportunity as we open the doors of the church anytime during the singing of the song Give God your heart. Give one of these your hands. Listen to the song. And your perfect man. Speaking of availability. is it right here. Listen, you're singing it. Lord. Lord to you. See, God is reaching out. God is reaching. That's God's desire is for you to be available to Him, to show yourself, to be on mission for Christ in the world. Will you stand with me, please, as we bring service to a close? So go tell it on the mountain, everywhere you go, over the hills, and everywhere that Jesus Christ. Come on, can you sing it? Oh. Tell
2: it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Oh, tell it on the mountain that Jesus
1: Christ. Come on, let me hear you say it again. Go, go, tell it on the
0: mountain. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. You have been listening to a message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church. Where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205-925-5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org. for an uplifting message. Please join us for the next broadcast.